Hello and welcome to Bibliophiles, a podcast where you get to sit in on conversations about books and reading with the ultimate book lovers, librarians. In each episode, we'll explore a theme and tell you what we're excited about reading right now. We hope you enjoy. Hello, today we all die of dysentery on the Oregon Trail. <laughs> that is to say, that is to say, we're talking about Wanderlust, which is the theme of this year's Lexington Reads. And the book that we're reading this year in Lexington Reads is The Oregon Trail. Megan is holding it up right now for the benefit of you listeners. <laughs> By Rinker Buck, um, a story of a man who decides to actually go on the Oregon Trail, was not dissuaded by the iconic computer game of the 90s. <laughs> uh, Megan, why don't you tell us a little bit about Lexington Reads? Sure. So Lexington Reads is our one book, one community read that we do every year, where we select a title, um, or sometimes multiple titles for different age groups, and we then, everybody, the idea is that everybody will read the same book, and we will have a bunch of programs all centered around the theme of that book. So for this year, we chose Wanderlust, and we are going to be reading The Oregon Trail, as Jen just said. Um, we also have some great books for children's and like middle grade readers that explore different countries and different cultures. And so we are having a bunch of programs about traveling and what you can learn from travel. We also will have a drop-in time to play the iconic Oregon Trail game. How exciting! Um, we're gonna have a ton of great programs. So you should definitely or video out. game. Video oh, game. Actually, yes. oh, we did it. Anti, Jen's, Jen's bringing the fire. Um, it's gonna going be exciting. On vacation in March, but we do it. That. We do it up right here. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a great month. Um, there's always something going on. So check out, um, there'll be a website, lexingtonreads.org. You can also always check the library calendar. There will be brochures all over, posters all over. If you at all use the library, it will be hard to ignore. <laughs> um, we hope in a good way. Um, and obviously stop by and talk to your local librarian about it. We would love to chat about it. So yeah, so this year we chose Wanderlust as a theme and the Oregon Trail as our book by Rinker Buck. Um, Shall I tell you a little bit about our, our selection? Yes. Um, so we chose the Oregon Trail because a few of us had read it. Um, it came out in 2015, and uh, Jen and I had both read it, um, as had a colleague of ours, Jean Williams, who recommended it. Um, it is a delightful blend of history and travelogue and humor. Uh, so Rinker Buck, the author, decides that he is... You know, at a place in his life where there's not a lot going well. He's divorced, he's got some money troubles, he's kind of depressed, and he decides to go on this epic journey across the country and ride the Oregon Trail in a covered wagon with mules. And he's going to do it alone. He quickly learns that that's like not possible and a bad idea. So he recruits his uh, cantankerous brother Nick to go with him, and Nick and Rinker are polar opposites, uh, and despite being raised in the same family, have essentially zero in common. So they are a great, delightful pair to spend time with. Um, they also bring along uh, Nick's dog, Olive Oil, who is a delightful character, and I think you will really enjoy getting to know Olive Oil. I know I did. <laughs> um, and the three of them set out. They get a wagon, they get three mules who are full of personality, and you will also get to know the mules quite well, um, which is fun. And they set out. And so you kind of follow them along and you see how they don't know what they're doing <laughs> and how hard it is even now. 
Um, and they talk a lot about like the trail journals that he read in preparation and what happened along the trail back in its heyday. Um, they talk about preservation issues in the West. They talk about um, you know environmental issues. They talk about travel today. And it's kind of this lovely experience of watching somebody who's from the East Coast who doesn't have a lot of experience out in the West kind of experience it, a little bit of culture shock, but with this really wide-eyed appreciation for new experiences and new, meeting new people. And um, I don't think it's spoiling anything to say they make it, like they do the trail. <laughs> um, I don't think it would be a very successful book otherwise if they'd just given up. Um, and so watching them, you know, make their way towards Oregon is really amazing. Um, and they meet wonderful people along the way. They get a lot of help. Um, and that's one of the great themes of the book, I think, is that, and one of the reasons we picked it, was that it really shows you how travel is so eye-opening in so many ways. And one of those ways is that you see new places, but you meet new people. And you learn a lot from the people you meet. So it's fa fascinating. Um, there's a lot of great history. And most importantly, like, Rinker is hilarious. And Nick is hilarious. And spending time with them is delightful even when they're arguing about like how to you know pack a water on the wagon like for some reason that's entertaining <laughs> that sounds super dull i know but it's not <laughs> so i highly recommend you read it do they become closer through their hardships they do i think they come to appreciate the other yeah <laughs> you know i don't think I'm they are like respect for yes. their abilities yes um, we can always ask Rinker Buck because he will be appearing here. The author will be appearing here at Cary as part of Lexington Reads. Uh, from what everything I've read and from the you know from the book itself, uh, yes, they have a they have a mutual respect for each other. I don't think they're still gonna like get together every Sunday and like hang out. That'd be an excellent question mm -hmm. to ask him. Yeah, I am excited to read this. I remember when it came out, I thought it looked intriguing, and it's it's just the kind of thing I like because I really love books where authors are like, I'm going to do something really stupid just, for write, just so I can write a book about it. Like, yeah. I'm, that sort of thing is catnip to me. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I would say, like, I, I love, you know, very narrative nonfiction, so this was right up my alley. Um, but I think even for people who don't think that they like history or they don't think they like travel books, it's just enough of different things that you don't get bored. Um, even when, you know, he kind of launches into a historical bit he ties it back to their experiences on the trail really well, and um, he ties it into like what's going on in modern times really well. Uh, so it doesn't ever get stuck in one genre too much, I think. So I think it'll appeal to a lot of people. Um, and if, like me, you were a kid who was obsessed with the Oregon Trail and <laughs> wore little prairie dresses that your mom made you and pretended your bed was a covered wagon and like tried to prioritize how to pack all of your belongings on your bed, you are going to love this book. <laughs> Where do you get a covered wagon nowadays? There are wagon makers. There are still, um, it's Oh, primarily... you know there are enthusiasts. Yes, yeah. there are a lot of I'm enthusiasts. I'm from the West. I feel like I should know this. Um, <laughs> he found, in Missouri, um, he found some Amish people who made really high-quality wagons. Like, I would just think that that must be an issue. Even the, yeah, summer. They, they sometimes it was cold. It was definitely a problem when it rained. Yeah, you think um, about not being used to the inclement weather and then yeah. being out in the elements for a long period of time. And Nick is like definitely the more practical of the two. So like he came with supplies that were useful. Um, Rinker came with like 
a campfire espresso machine. <laughs> so Rinker had this guy. Rinker had like a little bit more of an adjustment period than, than Nick did. Nick was like ready to go right away. Like he knew what he was up <laughs> against. He knew how to deal with things. Rinker obviously not so much. So um, watching the two of them also like have nights where Rinker is completely miserable because he's right. unprepared and Nick who slept outside the whole trip. Rinker slept in the wagon. Nick and the dog slept outside and often were more comfortable. (laughs) um, Because they were prepared. So there's, like, your Girl Scout lesson, you know, like, be prepared. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it's really fun to watch the two of them and their different personalities navigate this journey together. (laughs) If you have a a sibling that you feel like you have nothing in common with, you also will find something to enjoy in this book. (laughs) (laughs) The last time I traveled with my brother, he gave me a horrible stomach bug. Oh. (laughs) But that's okay. It's not like I still vividly remember that Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) And you're clearly over it. (laughs) Clearly over it. (laughs) Never have I longed for death so intensely. (laughs) Oh, dear. Yeah, so I I uh, see that others have brought some travel books to talk about. Who would like to? Who has a book to share? Yeah, I do. So um, I'm the teen services librarian. So of course I wanted to bring something that would appeal to to teenagers. Um, I think Oregon Trail is going to be excellent for high school students, but um, I wanted to pick something that I had in my collection, and so I brought the Girlo Travel Survival Kit. It's by Anthea Paul. And it's a super cute um, kind of pocket-sized book that has really practical advice for the first-time traveler. Um, And she kind of goes into everything from, like, how to pick a really good bag, like you want something that's waterproof and has a lot of pockets. Um, And then she goes, you know, the full spectrum to advice on what you do when you finally get back home and you're kind of getting reacclimated to to life back at home and yes when you get home you do want to start your laundry right away (laughs) um so it's full of really friendly fun advice and it's just kind of that thing that's going to spark that sense of wanderlust for new travelers so it's called the travel survival kit wanderlust is such a good word it's not something that i really have a lot of i was realizing when i was thinking about this theme and you know i love the idea of it and I like the idea of travel. I mean, there's a lot of places I'd like to see, but I'd like to be teleported there, and I'd like to have someone who's intimately familiar with the location just guide me constantly, mm-hmm. take me to the best restaurants. Mm-hmm. I'd like to be staying somewhere really comfortable. That's good. Basically, I don't want to experience any discomfort, <laughs> which is a bit of a problem for traveling. <laughs> but for some reason, I you know I was racking my brain, and then of course I thought of. Uh, the ultimate example, the perfect travel book, which is Sarah Vowell's Assassination Vacation, which if you've not read it, you just really have to read it. It's so good. And if if you are not made crazy by her voice, you should really try the audiobook, because if you enjoy her voice, you will love the audiobook. She's such a good reader. It's so wonderful. She has all these guest voices, all these actors and comedians, and it's terrific. Um, If her voice makes you crazy, then I understand that, and then you should just stick to the printed word. Because um, she has a very unique voice, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's just oh, it's so funny. It's a story of her going on an assassination vacation to visit all the historic sites connected with the assassinations of Presidents Lincoln, Garfield, and McKinley. And so, you know, this is the kind of travel book I like because it's mostly about history, and it also involves my favorite kind of traveling, which is going to museums and historic sites. 
because I never met a museum I did not like. <laughs> I want to go to all the museums. <laughs> Wherever I go, I will go right for the like, right for a museum or a church, but preferably both. A museum attached to a church. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love dusty cases. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Things draped with velvet. All about it. <laughs> so it's just a it's a terrific book and it's extremely educational. Mm. Fun. It, it just it touches on so many things you would not imagine. Uh, in it, I learned about that Robert Todlikin was present at all three assassinations mentioned. Uh, um, oh, really? Huh. So don't hang out with him. I know. Yeah. He, well, here Sarah Vallon nicknames him Jinxy McDeath. <laughs> Seriously, who but would I ever really, spend time like, with him after yeah. that? Poor, poor Robert Todd. Such a sad time. I mean, just like haunted all his life by these terrible events. Yeah. Uh, I really want a TV series about like the Lincoln kids. Oh. So interesting. Netflix so sad. Is yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and about um, oh, you know about um, John Wilkes Booth and the um. Wait, that is the right guy, right? I'm not yes, mixing yes, up my yes, assassins. Yes, yeah. okay. Yes, and about you know the act, the theater, and the actors in the play that they were seeing. Oh my God, it's all it's all so interesting and like, especially you know being president at the Lincoln assassination really like turned changed the course of everyone's lives and you know sent them on a weird and kind of tragic path. But it's also really funny, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole Garfield story, which I knew nothing about. It's sort of these interesting little byways of American history and these sort of these people I mean it really humanizes these figures who you may only know of from busts or mm-hmm. you know presidential portraits, but really they were sort of hapless, ordinary bumbling <laughs> human beings and um, living in yeah. extraordinary times yeah and it's great extraordinary events mm-hmm. well and often like you know these extraordinary events really come about for really dumb reasons <laughs> yeah it was so great it was a whole. Yeah, the whole Garfield story. But yeah, a lot of I, sometimes I sort of feel like, I mean, this may be totally unfair, but I feel like travel writing can be a little bit like looking at endless vacation pictures with no people in them. <laughs> <laughs> or it's all of our, you know, I bought a crumbling villa in this charming Italian village, and it turned my life around, and then I found love. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, come on. There's a theme of redemption <laughs> in, yeah. in travel yes. books. For sure. Yes. All the villagers were so charming and supportive, and they just loved having a random American girl move in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I would love. And we had to hilarious hear... misunderstandings. I'd love to hear, yeah, like <laughs> Under the Tuscan Sun from the villagers' point of view. I will right. say, I love like, the movie of Under the Tuscan yeah, Sun. Yeah, I mean, it's like so romantic and beautiful. And oh, like, Why is this not real? Like, or my? Well, it is real. Yeah. Why is this not my? But reality? the world really doesn't need any more books like that. No. There's so so many of them. Yeah. I mean, there are also the travel books that are essentially just, like, food diaries, mm-hmm. and that I can't get enough of. Oh, yeah. Well, the other I can thing I was read thinking here of... in Provence every month, and oh, I would just... I mean, that, but, oh, gosh, you I was have thinking to read about... it. It's just all about the food he eats for a <laughs> nice. whole year. It's so, amazing. I would be into that. I was thinking about um, My Life in France, which is not really travel writing, but, you know, Julia Child's memoir. Yeah. And I was thinking about um, Calvin Trillin's early food writing um, especially about, although the problem with that, you know, it's now, that book is now so old, but a lot of the experiences he's writing about you can't have anymore. And that's sort of the problem. Like, I would also, like, I'd really like just travel to certain places, but at a specific time in the past, because you really can't see the Venice that the Romantics yeah. knew, for instance, mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. You know, and nor can you eat barbecue in St. Louis 
in the 50s with Calvin Trillin, so who's next? Do you want to go, King? Oh, well, I'm, yeah. Um, so I love to travel, and when I was preparing my list of things for to talk about today, I realized that basically once I started traveling, I really stopped reading books about wanderlust. Um, I come from a really, really super small town in Montana, and we just never went anywhere. And at that point, like any book that I like, I read so many books about faraway places, so many books about fantasy. Um, I tried in vain to find the book that just was so inspirational to me. It was like many books of the time about a young, a young white guy who goes to find himself in the <laughs> Yucatan. Um, you can really sub in any foreign place for the Yucatan. And like, he tromps around and like buys things and like meets charming villagers. And it, sadly, like much like Indiana Jones, it was this really bad archaeology book that made me be like, I'm going to be an archaeologist. <laughs> yes, I have a degree in archaeology. <laughs> and so these stories of far-off places, I was like, yes! And then I eventually got enough money to be able to travel, and I stopped reading things because I'm having my own adventures now. You are truly living yeah. Yeah. life. I have a spreadsheet. That Her spreadsheet writes. is amazing. Yeah. So in coming up with the list of things that I saw that inspired my long, uh, wanderlust, and I realized they were all before I started traveling the last mm-hmm. couple of years, um, and also all three of them have start with the word lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very fitting for you. (laughs) Yes, every time I travel, I also get lost. I'm the one you may remember from previous podcasts, got lost walking the Freedom Trail. (laughs) So some of the ones I I really love, and I will be pretty brief about these because it's been a while since I've read them, um, is the great sort of archaeology and travel book, The Lost City of Z by David Gran. Um, It was a bestseller a couple years ago. It's that there was all of these records, that there was a, you know, a civilization called Z, because um, nobody really knew anything about them, but all of these you know, historical records in South America said that it was huge and sprawling and gold and riches, and no one could ever find it. Um, and several explorers just disappeared into the jungle trying to find it. And, um, David Gran, he goes looking through all of the records, and he goes into the jungle and looks at like the, you know the mounds and he talks to the, the people there and the, his theories on what was the lost city of Z and the lost civilization of Z I found kind of satisfying but you know he he doesn't really find it there is no sparkling Shangri-La in the jungle mm-hmm. um, another one starting with the word lost is lost in Shangri-La which by uh, Mitchell Zukov I, it inspired my wanderlust. It's about a World War II plane that goes down and um, the, their, their struggle to survive. You know, maybe struggle to survive in the jungle of World War II. Not the most pleasant thing you want to travel to, but just mm-hmm. the descriptions were so amazing and vivid that I was just like, this is a part of the world I don't know much else mm-hmm. about. My, my archaeology was really limited to that one book on the Yucatan <laughs> and then lots of Greek and Roman stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fortunately, not also a travel experience you can no longer have. Yeah. Getting shot down during World War II. <laughs> in the yeah, that's what I don't need. That's on the plus side. <laughs> yes. Uh, last up is the Lost Cyclist by David Harley, um, which is about. It takes place in 1892 and concerns a cyclist, friend, uh, Frank Lenz, who, like 
many people at that time was just like, I'm going to bike around the world with really not much planning. Mm. Um, and it goes okay for a while until he disappears. Oh. Um, and is probably murdered. Um, but <laughs> it's tracing the story through journal entries and, you know, not completely reliable narration as, you know, our cyclist is like, I'm doing great, not doing great. I'm doing it all by myself, not doing it by himself. Yeah. Um, it's a really, it's a well-told story, and it's a great one for the early days of cycling when, you know, it was, the machines were terrible and uncomfortable, and the roads were even worse. <laughs> it reminds me of, um, of Thoreau and Walden. He's be like, yes, I will live self-sufficiently and simply. You know, Mom, can you cook me some more meals? <laughs> Would you mind giving me some firewood? <laughs> Would you mind doing my laundry? <laughs> yeah. I was, you know I like those chocolate chip cookies, Mom. Yeah. And he would swing home for chocolate chip cookies. So he didn't even, like, abstain from sweets out on Walden's pond. Like, he had to have his desserts, too. Yes. I'm like, come on. This Such a poser. Poster. Right. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm so glad you so impressed by him, Because in Cape Cod, he talks about walking from Concord down to basically Duxbury. Oh, my God. Yeah, so he just, like... Decides to walk, you know, That's toward like, the Cape, and there's this great little bit about, you know, takes place near my hometown where he just shows up at this inn in Duxbury and asks if anyone's got a boat so he can go out and see the island in the bay, and some fisherman <laughs> takes him out to this island and drops him off, and he just kind of hangs out and, like, asks people on the island how they like living on the island. Um, so, so he did some fun things too. <laughs> okay, a little. But, but like, I think the theme of like just showing up and expecting mm-hmm. people to feed him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that continues. <laughs> my part, one of my partner's aunts, like she was like that. That she would go to other countries because she loved to travel, and she would go to like China, and she'd just like find a house and like she'd stop at the market and she'd be like hi can I stay with you not in Chinese um, <laughs> and like I brought food I had nightmare and, fuel and somehow <laughs> somehow this worked for her for decades she saw so many countries just wow. showing up and there's yeah. something like really charming about that like in the abstract <laughs> yeah abstract yes I love to read books about like extreme travel mm-hmm. which I would never do so yes. that's like my my wanderlust mm-hmm. reading is like things that I will never do like I read a book called Braving <laughs> It which is about a father and daughter who go to Alaska three times twice in the winter um, and like are in like the remote Alaskan wilderness um, they're actually visiting his cousin who lives in that part that like national park in Alaska where they wanted to do the drilling and then they like shut it down mm-hmm. um, they they live there and they're like one of like seven families that's even allowed to live there anymore um, and they were in these like ridiculously extreme circumstances doing physical labor all day just to survive I will never do anything I mean like I get grumpy if my feet get wet like I'm clearly not going to go on this trip but I love reading about that so I love those really extreme stories um <laughs> Of extreme travel or armchair, like, armchair discomfort. Exactly. Yeah, I want to be reading about somebody else being like pushed to their limits while I have like a plate of cookies at least. And five, nice bag of cocoa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just want to be comfortable and have other people suffering entertainment. But the book, I, I just want to recommend won the Pulitzer Prize for biography. I don't know oh, if anybody oh. has read this. I'm not. But it's 
Barbarian Days by William Finnegan, A Surfing Life. And I read this because I've actually tried surfing, mm -hmm. and it was an epic fail. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. And this book is basically, he grew up in the 60s with um, the Dr. Spock theme of parenting, mm -hmm. love them, feed them, leave them alone. Mm -hmm. And he just, it's kind of like Lord of the Flies uh, <laughs> types, uh, types of situations that come up in his travels and experiences. But you can go in, and he's traveled all over the world, Australia, Fiji, Africa, um, Bali, he goes everywhere to surf and he keeps a journal. So it's incredibly detailed. He's a superb writer. So even if you're not interested in surfing, the descriptions of the places and the actual types of waves and the research that he does, I mean, he's addicted to surfing. It's an obsession. So it's, it's a cult-like um, detailed book on surfing. Mm. And it's amazing. But I mean, just to kind of give you a glimpse, I'll, I just wanted to go into one section here. He's on the Tavarua Island in Fiji with one of his buddies, and he heard about it from a, a local guy. So they go out to the island for a week, and the guy says, okay, here's how you survive. There's fish in the water. You can cook them up. There's um, papaya trees, so you can eat the papayas. And... Um, you just have to watch out for these snakes. And he says, well, what's the story? They're sea snakes. And he says, well, they're called the three-step ste snakes. snakes. Because if they bite you, you get three steps and then you're dead. Oh, my gosh. Oh, boy. And there's hundreds of them on the island. And it's this little sea. It's <laughs> it, it literally takes 25 minutes to walk the perimeter of the island. Oh my god. And it is swarming with sea snakes. And he said that we, they lapped the island the next morning and they counted 117 trails of the sea snakes. Oh. On the and he says, the guy gives him the advice, here's how you deal with the sea snakes. First of all, you can't sleep on the ground at night, so you have to um, elevate it on, sna on stakes, because they on won't snakes. Cook <laughs> on snakes. Because yeah. they um, can't climb up the stakes. Mm -hmm. And then he says, um, the other thing is when you're swimming in the water, they're all around you when you're trying to surf. Like, just picture this. Mm -hmm. If they bite you, you're dead in three yeah. steps. Yeah. It's the sixth step one. Step. Don't surf. Yeah. <laughs> like step one. Two. Don't go to this place. Oh my God, I'm reading this, but they're so obsessed with surfing mm -hmm. that they're going to surf around the hundreds of sea snakes. <laughs> and he says, well, the guy gave us the advice that you swim in a fist because their mouths are so small that they can't get in there to, to bite if you swim in fists when you hit the sea snakes that can bite so you're you. you're just swimming by punching snakes. Yes. <laughs> and he's already and adding he says, this to They come up behind you and they can um, nibble your toes. And he says, yeah, you got to really watch that. <laughs> you're, you're that's great like, advice. Just look out for that thing that's going right. to kill you. And, I'm re and this is just like one section. Like the stories are so incredible yeah. that they like work around the deadly sea snakes to <laughs> surf. Well, judging by the insatiable appetite for travel books in the town of Lexington, and I know because I buy them and I cannot keep you all supplied <laughs> with books about Iceland and Barcelona, but other places as well. But geez, you know, Iceland and Barcelona, apparently, the hot 
travel destinations. Iceland's airport has the best bathrooms I've ever been in. Ooh. Oh, they, are really clean. <laughs> they are super nice. They look like a museum. <laughs> well, anyway, I look forward to hearing from you guys uh, about the places you've been, the places you want to go, travel books you recommend. Uh, excited about Lexington Reads. Yeah, we hope to see you at a bunch of events in March. Yes, come on down. We will not make anyone sleep outside. There are no sea snakes here in the library. I if there were, we'll punch them. I prefer, <laughs> right. they, will, they will punch a snake for you. I would have preferred to go on thinking that sea snakes did not exist. I think I'm going to go back to thinking that right after this. <laughs> but thank I you know, for, it kind of gives you a nightmare. <laughs> just, I just set you up for a nightmare, didn't I? I uh, guess. That. Sweet dreams, everyone. Sweet dreams. <laughs> Bibliophiles is a production of Cary Memorial Library in Lexington, Massachusetts. Matt Schumann engineered the podcast and created our theme music. Do you have questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes? Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Library or on Twitter and Instagram at Library. That's C-A-R-Y-M-E-M Library. For show notes and to find out more about us, visit us at carrylibrary.org.